0: Yeah, America's the greatest country in the world. Amen. That's right. Bonzo's America's finest city. Love it up here. It's beautiful. I love this church. This church has the absolute best ratio of members to Harley Davidson motorcycles in the parking lot. It is a sight to behold. Well done. I feel like some, I see some of these Harley member owners. I think, listen, more churches need more Harleys in the parking lot. That's what I'm saying. So I appreciate that. And then on the flip side, uh, one of my friends is in this church, Ernie Dronenberg. And he said he was going to be here, but I don't see him here because I was looking forward to seeing his big old bow tie. And uh, I was going to wear my bow tie, but I didn't want to wake up at 3 a.m. to start tying it because that's about how long it would have taken me to to get it done. Um, You guys are a great church. Pastor Mel's amazing. Greg's awesome. Really, really an honor to be here. This church has been very good to me. Uh, I was asked to speak about fatherhood on this. Father's Happy Father's Day to you. Um, So I was asked to speak about fathers, um, but gosh, I'm preaching to the choir. I just ran to the bathroom, and right above the urinal there, you guys have events that are going on. You have a series called A Man and His Fatherhood. You have something called Men's Rally, about rejecting passivity and accepting responsibility. On the business card, it says, where authentic men thrive, You guys are are well ahead of the game here, so excuse me if this is all very beginner stuff here. I didn't realize I was talking to a master's class. Um, Also, everything I'm going to say here, I know uh, I'm a new dad, as Pastor Mel said, so uh, I'm speaking as someone who's just figuring this stuff out for the first time. Uh, There's going to be a lot of grandparents here uh, that you're like, oh yeah, been there, done that, Slater. But maybe it's just a friendly reminder and something you can encourage your kids to do. With now your little grandbabies. So, as Pastor Mel said, a new dad Jack is 19 months. I think we got a little video of Jack. Yes! Where are we going, Jack? Go to church? All right. So, the beginning of that, I said, uh, we, that's one of our, can you the be beginning part actually? Now you know what he said, right? uh, uh Without the beginning part, you're like, what are those bumbling words? And then grace is 11 weeks. And there's baby grace right there. Uh, It has been an absolute joy. My wife is amazing. I love her more every single day, and the kiddos are a ton of fun. Uh, Three things I want to talk about today. I want to talk about my dad. I want to talk about our father in heaven. I want to talk about the world. Is that cool? That's the plan. Uh, So first, my dad. My dad passed away five years ago on uh, July 3rd. We're coming up on the fifth year anniversary. 63 years old, died of a stroke, suddenly never been in better health, came out of nowhere. I think of him every day. Uh, Four lessons that I just want to share from my dad, things I think about as I'm a new dad now. Lesson number one, always be there. Every single time I called my dad, every single time he picked up the phone. I don't even know if he had a voicemail on his phone. I literally never heard it. And I didn't even realize it until after he passed away. But my dad never said, I have to go. He, he never ended a phone conversation, ever. And there's no way that every time I called my dad, he was laying on the hammock in the backyard doing nothing. Some of the times he was. <laughs> Oftentimes he was, but not every time. There's no way. When he was busy, no matter how busy he was, he always had time for his sons. Nothing else mattered. Second lesson, talk, preferably about nothing. I call this the Seinfeld lesson. (laughs) Of course, important conversations are important, but most of the time, it was just nothing. When I'd leave work, sometimes I'd hesitate to call my dad because my commute was about 15 minutes, and we were guaranteed to talk for over an hour every time. The last conversation I had with my dad, we talked for 45 minutes about breakfast (laughs) and the pros and cons and merits of different types of oatmeal, rolled oats, steel-cut oats, all the different types of oats, the best things to put in your oatmeal, et cetera. I don't even eat oatmeal, and we talked about that for 45 minutes. I told that story to one of his frat brothers, one of his lifelong friends at the funeral, and he said, oh, We've talked for much longer about much less. (laughs) That was my dad. Lesson number three, find beauty in everything. Even the smallest things has has its own inherent beauty. And my dad's job, his mission and purpose in life was to find it. One of his all-time favorite things every year was the uh, in my town I grew up in, uh, an antique boat show. If I saw a classic car in the, uh, in the parking lot there, I feel like there's people here who would appreciate an antique boat show. And I asked my dad one day why he likes it so much. And he said, listen, we were on the dock with all the antique boats. He said, listen, don't you hear it? You hear it? The plop, plop, plop of the boats going up and down and the water hitting underneath the dock. My dad loved that sound. My dad loved <laughs> on Father's Day, uh, every Father's Day we'd go downtown to the Father's Day pancake breakfast. And he loved the big band that would play, you know, your John Philip Sousa songs. And he would just stand there and watch them. And he loved the pancake breakfast. Pancakes weren't even good. Your food is way better than those. <laughs> but he loved it. My dad loved... Uh, The fresh donuts that would come off the assembly line at the local bakery that he'd get every time he went for a walk, which would, of course, negate any benefit from the walk, but he loved those donuts so much. He was a lover, and he'd always look for the beauty in everything. Fourth lesson from my dad. My dad loved and demanded a job well done. Uh, I hated doing lawn work with him. I hated raking the leaves because, for me, as long as we got most of the leaves— Right? Like, my, my assessment was, well, it's better than when we started. He needed every single leaf picked up, and we weren't done until that was the case. I went back home a year later, and I uh, was cleaning out the garage. I was sweeping the floor. And I was all done. And I was walking away. And out of the corner of my eye, I saw one leaf. And I took a few more steps. I said, oh. i back. got the leaf. Threw it away and walked on. My dad was thorough. He never would have walked away from a job incomplete. Thoroughness was a trademark, but not just yard work. With friends, with family, and with everything worth doing. That's my dad. I just wanted to talk about him for a minute on this Father's Day. So, second point, I want to talk about God. And I don't mean by any stretch of the imagination to compare my dad to God or to Jesus. But those four lessons, those are traits that are godly traits. Traits of God. Isn't Jesus always there for us? Always. We're never bothering him. I used to do that before I became a Christian. I became a Christian five years ago. I used to think prayer was like, because he's probably pretty busy. And there's other people that have more bigger problems than I do, so I'm not going to bother God with my prayer. And that's not true. You know that. And God never says, oh, I have to go. Second thing about talking, doesn't Jesus just want to have a relationship with you? Even when you can only give him 15 minutes, he wants an hour. He wants it all. And not just in crisis, but about everything. About breakfast. And these were really good biscuits, I'm not going to lie. Doesn't God see the beauty in everything? The beauty in you? We get so down on ourselves. Negative self-talk. I was just talking to a friend the other day. Um who suffers from depression and just gets in these bouts of this negative self-talk, just says horrible things to himself. We get so down on ourselves and the people around us and on our wives and on our kids. God doesn't. He sees the real you, the redeemed you. I'm so grateful for that. Isaiah 43.1, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. God clearly sees the beauty in all of us and each of us. And isn't God thorough? We worship a God that fulfills promises. Amen? Amen? My mom always used to say, you are just like your father. And I don't think she meant it as a compliment. Like that tone, was, it was never in the best moments now that I think about it. But um, I always took it as a compliment. And Not only do I want to be more like my dad, I want to be more like Jesus. Jesus had these four things and many more. So that's my talk about God. Now I want to get to the good stuff. I want to talk about the world. Uh, We live in a broken world, right? I don't know if anyone here listens to the show, but there's a lot of brokenness that we're talking about all the time. and It can get real depressing real fast. Things are so upside down. It's Father's Day, right? Father's Day weekend. I saw an article on CNN yesterday. Here's the headline. He gave birth. I'll just stop there for one second. Just pause on that. He gave birth. He breastfed. Now he wants his son to see him as a man. It's an upside down world. It's about a transgender mom or dad or whatever. Everything's backwards. And you know this. You know this. This is a godly church. And the more you fix your eyes on Jesus, the more sensitive that you become to things, the more he transforms your heart, the more you see how deceived the world is. Everywhere. It's unbelievable. Everything is backwards. Everything is backwards. Music, movies, TV, magazines. I love this story. There was a girl, maybe 16 years old with her dad. They went to the doctor's office, and the daughter picked up, like, a Teen Vogue magazine and started reading it. And the dad came up to her a couple minutes later and said, you know, honey, those people don't care about you. The people at Teen Vogue and Cosmopolitan and Seventeen Magazine and every TV network and TV producer, those people don't care about you. And she says, I loved that Response from my dad so much because what could you say back to that? Like, what's the girl gonna say? No, dad, these random people in New York City talking about the best, you know what, positions uh, for a teenager, these people really care for my soul. Like, there's no, like, that's a great argument. These people don't care for you, they don't care for your soul, they don't love you. So much in our world is ugly. And the world and everyone is reveling in it. It's not just me who sees that, right? So my one message here, my most important message is, I beg of you, please don't be of this world. Please don't be of this world. Don't fall for it. Don't be deceived and actively, purposefully fight against it. Because it is trying to, grab you and never let you go. Romans 12 two, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's right there in the good book. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. This pattern, the, the pattern of the world, it's full of deceit and lies and ambition and jealousy And the sin of comparison through social media and materialism and pornography and all of these things are not pleasing to God. Amen? Amen. Colossians 2.8. See to it that no one takes you captive. I love that word, right? Takes you captive. When you think that, like what's the visual you get? I I think of like someone, like a, a van pulling up next to me and grabbing me and tying me up and bounding me and throwing me in the trunk of the van. That's like, do not let the world take, do not let the world do that to you. Through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition of this world, rather than on Christ. Just an example of the lies. Pastor Mel and I, we met at a, or we saw each other last at this pro-life banquet in Fallbrook. And uh, just the lies in that world are, are obvious. Uh, there is a billboard campaign in Cleveland. How am I doing on time, by the way? When's my when's my get the hook? You should never give a microphone to a radio guy, and say you got twenty minutes. Like that's that's not happening. Sorry. Okay, we'll be good. Uh, so there's a uh, billboard campaign in Cleveland by Planned Parenthood, and the campaign is abortion is, and then a, a, an underline, like a blank space. Abortion is, and then they have different words written in for what abortion is, they said abortion is, different billboards, right? Abortion is a blessing. Abortion is a family value. Abortion is love. My favorite, abortion is life-saving. Do you see the deceptive? And people look at that and they're like, yes, it is. The lies, the deceit. But to these godly men and women in this group, you know how much of a lie that is. But that's the pattern of the world. People are so far off. Our culture is so far off. We're not even close. And our culture, we talk a lot on the show about culture. Because we used to be able to rely on culture to pick up the slack where maybe we make some mistakes, or at least you can rely on culture to reinforce what you teach at home, right? My wife's favorite show was uh, Little House on the Prairie. Any Little House on the Prairie fans here? I've never seen it. I've never seen it one time, but I can't wait to watch it with my kids, because that's where we're going to start. We're going to start with Little House on the Prairie and Andy Griffith. Amen. Amen. That's it. That's all they're going to (laughs) watch ever until they're 18. Um, But you can see how far we've fallen, (laughs) right? What did I watch the other day? Oh, we saw an episode of Hee Haw. Anyone ever watched Hee Haw? We were like, oh, my gosh. Have you seen a Hee Haw episode in the last 30 years? It is slow and not funny, but so much fun to watch. And again, compare that to whatever the version today would be like Saturday Night Live or something like that. And then I saw an episode, I was on vacation two weeks ago, that's why I was able to watch all this TV. Uh, I saw an episode of The Twilight Zone. We watched two episodes, amen. Twilight Zone, fans, so good. There was a moral to the story, there was a lesson, there was a little plot, but so slow <laughs> and corny and cheesy, but so good. Good. And we got to get back to that because it had meaning and it had depth. And that's just, but that's an example. Like, that's not a Christian show, but it was a cultural thing that would at least reinforce the things you're teaching at home. And now everything in culture is fighting against you. And you got to fight back against it. Culture does not reinforce what we're teaching at home, not when second graders are told to reconsider what gender they are. So, this means more than ever, and again, grandparents, please. Encourage your kids to do this. Your home or you need to be a model of biblical wisdom and living in the home more than ever. The home has to be a sanctuary, it has to be a sanctuary from the world. And the best part is you create it. You decide what you let into your home or not, right? Even, like The name a TV show today that's... You are know, not appropriate, all of them, right? You decide whether or not that gets in your house. It is your sanctuary, and it is a godly place. And it's entirely up to you, no one else. And I got that realization when Jack was born, and I said, oh, this is, this is my house. I can do whatever I want in it, <laughs> and I can create any type of space I want in it. I don't want to use the word safe space, because that now has a connotation in, in colleges, but uh, it's a sanctuary. And it's a, ki- it's a sanctuary for your kids. It's a place where you can cleanse your kids by washing with water through the word. Where you can teach 19-month-olds scripture. The, the world makes your kids dirty. And you can wash them with the word. How awesome is that? How grateful are we for that? So Jack's 19 months old, and uh, he's starting to, maybe like a month or so ago, repeat everything that we do and say. Remember that stage? Literally every single thing we do and say. I probably shouldn't share this story, but I will. Uh, We were in Atlanta a couple weeks ago, and it's raining all the time there. It's just nonstop thunderstorms, which are awesome. Miss those if you grew up in the Northeast, and uh, we want Jack to be uh, a masculine man, right? We don't want him to be like, well, oh, I don't want to go outside. It's wet. So we started singing. the Who sings the song Rain is a Good Thing? You know that country song? Rain is a good thing. Know that song? Not familiar? Well, let me sing the whole song for you then. <laughs> I couldn't tell when I said the rain is a good thing, I got a couple cringes, got a couple of laughs. I'm not sure what that meant. Rain. Is it, does anyone know I'm talking about? you know that song? Okay, good. Like rain. Uh, who sings it? Do you know? Who is it? Luke Bryan sings, of course. Rain is a good thing. So we're playing this song all the time, and we're singing rain is a good thing. So when it rains, Jack goes, rain is a good thing. And then he walks outside and he plays in the rain, all right? That's what we were doing with Jack. We did not realize until a week later that one of the lines in the song, if you know the song, you may know where I'm going, Rain makes corn, corn makes whiskey, whiskey makes my baby feel a little frisky. And one day Jack said, rain makes corn, corn makes whiskey. In a really cute way though, it was adorable. Corn makes whiskey. Whiskey makes my baby feel a little frisky. And we're like, oh, we should only play half the song now. Let's just stick to the chorus of rain is a good thing. But you know what I mean? Like, he models everything. My wife and I, we've been doing some workout in the backyard, um, some squats and lunges and push-ups and stuff like that. And one day, Jack's in the backyard just doing this. We're like, Jack, what are you doing? He goes, lunges. Like, how do you know that? And then one day... uh, We were praying, this was a long time ago, and uh, before we eat, and he goes, amen. So it's the good and the bad they pick up, right? (laughs) But we got to be careful. Can't even trust a Luke Bryan song these days. You got to be careful, got to be intentional. Our sons, look at you, Dad. Who's here as a father of sons? Very cool. Our, uh, our sons look at you as a warrior. Who here is a dad of daughters? Daughters look at you dads as the hero. What an awesome responsibility, isn't it? Isn't it so much fun? So I want to talk about, uh, got a couple minutes left. I want to talk about daughters. Is that okay? Because that's on my heart now because Grace is 11 weeks and just starting to be at the phase where, like, a dad can do more, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Like, for the first couple of weeks, she cries, and I try, and then she's hungry, and I'm like, mm, here you go, right? Like, what do I do? But now she's getting a little older, and, and it's, it's becoming more fun for dad. Um, so can I talk about daughters? Is that okay? Maybe we'll say men for, for next Father's Day, if you let me back. There's a great book, Meg Meeker. Uh, it's called Strong Dads, Strong Daughters. Anyone here ever heard of it? Great, highly recommended. Strong dads, strong daughters. And the idea is that a girl's confidence and insecure, excuse me, confidence and security which is very important because in today's world, women and girls especially, so insecure, and that can lead to a lot of pride and a lot of other issues, but a girl's confidence and security is a reflection of her dad's involvement in her life. That's the premise. And the more love and the more physical touch, and the more listening and the more positive attention a dad gives. Then the more confident and secure the girl will be and the woman will become. That's the premise. Meg says, I can't, she's a psychologist. She says, I can't begin to tell you the number of girls that I see who drink and do drugs and get a tattoo only to see if their dad even notices or cares. She tells the story of a girl who was sexually assaulted by a boy. The girl, daughter, she comes home crying and distraught. She tells her dad what happened, and her dad said, boys will be boys, and then left to go play golf. That was more traumatic than the assault, because her dad didn't fight for her. Dad is a girl's first love. You are the most important man in her life. Your daughter needs your strength, your courage, your fearlessness. She needs your assertiveness and your self confidence, Dad. She needs you. Grace needs me. And society says, Give up. Society says, Give up, Dad. You're not even needed. You're expendable. You're disposable. You're worthless. You're bad, toxic masculinity, right? Have you heard of toxic masculinity? You're bad, you're a negative force. Let your daughter go do things that you know she shouldn't. Let her wear those clothes, let her go on that trip, let her go on that date with that guy. That's what society says. I'm here just to humbly encourage you, don't. <laughs> because here's the backwards thing. One of the themes of the show is, uh, it's a twofold. Thing that we've been exploring these last couple months. First, whenever you're given a presumption or a statement, just consider perhaps the opposite is true, right? Because that's how backwards the world is. The world will tell you something and just think for one second, hmm, perhaps the opposite is true. Because very oftentimes it is. The exact opposite of the thing is true. And then everything is backwards, which we already mentioned. But same thing here, right? When she pushes back, When you don't let her do this thing, when you create this boundary, and she pushes back, she's testing you. And what she's really saying is, do you love me? She will yell at you, and she will say, you don't love me. But she's really asking if you do. Stand strong. Again, society says, we, we, you know, we don't want to suffocate girls. We don't want to be too strict. We don't want to be mean. Let them wear whatever they want. Go with the boys. Do whatever. The opposite is true. Girls get in trouble not because their dads set too many boundaries or too high of expectations, but because dads abandon those boundaries or retreat from them or are afraid to establish them in the first place. When she pushes back, she's asking, am I worth the fight, Dad? Are you strong enough to handle me? When you talk about sex and drugs, she'll be uncomfortable, but what she really thinks is, he loves me. When you don't let her wear those Abercrombie shorts, she'll say, I hate you, but she's testing you, and she'll thank you later. Let me quote here from Meg. She says, your daughters will respect you more if you don't cave in. The minute you waffle on your convictions, you lose stature in your daughter's eyes. She thinks you're smarter than other parents, tougher than her boyfriend, and care more about her than other people do. Let me tell you a secret about daughters of all ages. They love to boast about how tough their dads are, not just physically, but how strict and demanding they are. Why? Because this allows daughters to show off how much their dads love them. If only you could be privy to the the private conversations of girlfriends. Men, fight for your daughter every time and every day. And the same is true for boys too, a little bit different, but same idea, right? We gotta be like Daniel. It's unbelievable the things that Daniel endured. Being taken from Jerusalem and brought into a pagan land like we live in today in many ways. A pagan culture, at least. Name was changed. You know the story. Daniel's name meant God is my judge. Change it to Belteshazzar, which means Marduk protect the king, which Marduk was the Babylonian king. Changed his name. But no matter what, The king and his men threatened. No matter what they threatened, Daniel never stopped praying to God and never stopped praising his name. We need to be like Daniel because we live in a foreign land. C.S. Lewis said that we live in enemy-occupied territory. He was speaking to an audience. This is from Mere Christianity. He was speaking to an audience of World War II soldiers. So he used terms that they could understand. I know we got a lot of vets in this room. You can understand this too. We live in enemy-occupied territory. And we are called to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. That's who we are. That's who the men in this group are. I'll end here. We must put God first in everything. Amen. Amen. We must raise our kids to be godly men and women. And men, what a privilege. God has given us. What a privilege. Maybe we should change Father's Day a little bit. You know, uh, Thanksgiving Thanksgiving used to be a religious holiday. It used to be called a day of Thanksgiving and praise. It was a day of actually, talk about, perfect example of how everything's backwards. Thanksgiving used to be a day of fasting. Read all the original proclamations from Abraham Lincoln and all the rest. It was a day of fasting of prayer and supplication and fasting. And now it's gluttony and football, right? Look, at See how everything's backwards? But it used to be a religious holiday, and in my sanctuary, we're going to make it a religious holiday again in our home. Not just a, you know, what are you thankful for? We're like, no, 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 it's, it's going to be a godly, biblical holiday. Uh, same thing with Father's Day. Praise God, God, that you have trusted us to be fathers And to be men. And what's it say on that business card? Where authentic men thrive. God's given us an incredible blessing, trusting us with these souls. We have to rely on our Father in heaven, who's always there for us, who wants to talk with us, who finds beauty in all things. And a God who fulfills his promises, we have to rely on him. Thank you guys for having me here. I really appreciate it.